0: I heard a pastor minister and he said, if you will stop reading the Bible and studying the Bible to teach and you start reading and studying it to learn, there will be a big difference in your life. So what about you? Sometimes we come in and we we read the Word of God and the Word of God is amazing. I mean, the Word of God is alive. The Bible says it's alive and active. The Word of God can bring change to your lives. It's 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 more than just a word. You know, I've heard it called the seed. It's a seed that begins to be implanted within you, and then that seed begins to grow. So we got back from our journey. We were gone for about, you know, weeks and and, uh, and uh, boy it's glad to be I'm glad to be home I, I, I enjoy being home I mean it's nice to go, but isn't it nice to get back <laughs> is not it nice to sleep in your own bed those of you that it's just <laughs> it nice to be to be able to, to be home and um, and one of the things that i that I realized that I needed to do and I'm telling you today I'm confessing before you today of where, the God, where God has shifted me and and I we were talking with uh Dr. David Canastracy in in San Jose and I was talking to him about the times he spent with the Lord and the things that he set some things aside and the Lord has really been stirring with me um for me personally just to come to a I got to get deeper and 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 I'm I'm submerged sometimes but you know there's some scriptures I think and it was talking about getting you know walking ankle deep in the water and then you get knee deep and then you get waist deep and and then just jumping in so I've been setting aside sometimes and it's been on Tuesdays and it's been I'm working into that because I'm a gosh I'm a I'm a doer do you, do you know what I mean I'm a I'm a doer when I say that is like, I can spend some time with the Lord, and then it's like, okay, let's go do something. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now there are some i'm Martha, I'm Martha. Yeah, I'm Martha. I'm over here getting everything all fixed for Jesus, and I'm doing this and doing that. And sometimes I, I got to be a Mary too. I got to may be a Mary who Mary who sits at the foot of Jesus and just receives the things of the Lord and what He's giving and but I'm a doer. I am one that, I'm not a fisherman of fish. Do you know why? Because, man, if I put my hook in there and something don't happen, I'm like, forget this, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go build something. Now, some of you guys and gals, you love that. That's great. It's a great rac- relaxation for that. But it's not me. I'm just wound tight. And I'm just, you know, when they're fishing, it's like, okay, look, isn't this thing supposed to bite? If this thing don't bite, well, I just relax. With been five minutes. I mean, I should have a fix. So it's hard that way. It's the same way with hunting. I tried doing hunting once. And that's what it was. Patience, he's patience, patience. But I'm, I don't know what it is. I'm just geared differently. Maybe I got a lot of gears and, and they're not real big gears and they turn real slow. My, my gears are running all the time. And I tried hunting and I'm like, I'm going to shoot something. You know, it's like, you know, don't and you know, we're waiting on the deer. It's like, well, let's go get the deer. Let's track him down. Let's go do something. I'm just sitting in that deer blind. You know what I'm going? And you got to be quiet. Now I'm not knocking you guys and gals that like hunting, and that's a, that's that's fine. I'm just I struggle with 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 that. So I can come and 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 read, and I you know, and there are times or seasons where I can read, and there's times where you know, I'm working on three books, and I'm like, okay, I'm reading three books. I'm not writing three books. I don't know. That's, that's just some people have said, well, you need to write a book. And I, no, I'm not. God says I write a book. I guess I will write a book. But until then, I'll leave the book writing to Pastor Virginia. You know, it's like, okay. So I, I, I'm geared up, and I'm the, I'm the type of person that it's like, okay, I've got to do something. So at the end of the day, I look back at my list, and I see what I've marked off. Hello? If there was one thing on my list and I marked that off at the end of the day, can I be transparent to you? If there was only one thing marked off my list that day, I would probably say, you know, I think I've failed. I didn't get enough done. There were some other things I should have done. There were some things I should have on my to-do list that I should have had that, and I'm, I guess this, I'm just that way. And I'm saying this because I'm confessing because it's not always good we can get things done and we can get things achieved and we can get things finished and i can get things checked off my list and the very next day i can check some things off but at the end of the day it really comes down to how much time and presence have i really spent with the lord and i can go about my day because i really believe in the scripture that says you know that, that as you as you do as you're working throughout the day as that, that whatever we do in word or deed, that we do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. So I can be working, I can be praying for people, I can be reading, I can be, you know, vacuuming, whatever it is that i got to do, counseling with people, talking with people, you know, looking up stuff, working on my message. I can do all these things, and I can feel like I'm doing it unto the Lord. But a lot of it's work. A lot of it's just work. Anybody understand what I'm trying to say? Maybe I'm, I'm not making sense. I'm kind of like bouncing all around. But I want you to hear my heart. It's almost like work. It's almost like work that I'm, I'm working through this. And I'm just that way. Like Shelly said, you know, I'm a, I'm a person that it was like, I get an idea, it's like, let's go do it. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no how are you going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. We're just going to start. <laughs> I feel like I'd be more like Peter than we said, you know, get out of the boat. I'm like, okay, I'm out. And there's some good things there, and there's some bad things there. You know, Peter was the one that sliced off Malcolm's ear, and he said, "I would never, you know, deny you, Lord," and he denied the Lord, and and then he was, you know, repentant of those things. So as I as I get out of the boat, as I begin to step into some things in some different areas, I said, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to come back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hear you. I can schedule my day and say that it is of the Lord, and there are." days where it is of the Lord, and I believe that it is of the Lord. And then there's days where I can say, okay, Lord, you connect me today with who you want to connect me with. And those days are hard for me personally because I'd rather look at a piece of paper and have some things to do than to look at a blank sheet and go, okay, God, you do what you want to do with me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I have anybody else that may be designed or geared like that in here today? today. And I'm not saying that's really a great thing, um, because there are the best planned things. Let me say this. God moves in in areas where sometimes it's not planned. And you can look at that and you can go, I planned this and planned that and planned that. And that's, that's all good. Because Joseph planned. If he didn't plan, the Israelites wouldn't be where they were. And there were some things that took place. So... You can you can you can say planning's good. Say planning's good. But you know, being led by God, and and I want to be led by God, and not that I have to go to my closet and go, okay, what shoes am I wearing today? God, am I going to wear the black ones or the brown ones or the, you know what I mean? And I, and Shelley's like, where are you at? And I said, I'm in 30 minutes in my closet, and we're having this conversation with God on what I'm going to wear. I'm not I'm not that. I'm just Shelly will tell you. I'm like, look, what are you going to wear today? I don't know. Let me grab this. How about that? Say good. I'm putting this on. You know I'm. I don't want to make all those decisions. That decision's already made. I'm going on. Are you with me? So I want to come to the place where I can begin to to consider Jesus and everything in my life. What about my life? Where I've come from? What I've gone through? And what do I look at at the cross? You know, last week we had the backpack full of stuff and we began to start setting some things down at the cross and and we looked at selfishness and strife and lack and unbelief, and we placed it at the cross. This cross this cross represents a lot. But when I see this cross right now here today, Jesus is not on it. Because there's a death, burial, and a resurrection. And then where did Jesus go after he came down of the cross and all that? I'm not going to get into that today, many of you... Know that, but I'm asking you to go back and begin to start rereading the gospel. Will you do that with me? Here's an assignment. We're going to gather. I want us to be on the same place. I want us to be in the same direction. I want us to be reading the same things. Is that okay? You can read other. I got, like I said, two or three other books. I'm reading one book on called The, the Moratorium of Meanness. On meanness. It's like, you know what? God's calling a moratorium for you. You don't have to be mean. Jesus wasn't mean. One time he got angry in the temple and it was a righteous anger. But he wasn't mean to people. There was no person that came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, Look, that's just the way it is, man. You just, you just messed up. So Sorry. It's consequences of your sin. Bye. He never did he never did that. He never did that. There were some that came to him, a woman that came to him and he was to the, really going to come to the Jews, the Israelites and this woman came to him and she wasn't an Israelite and she had a principle and she came to him and and she said and he said, Look, I'm I'm coming to the house of David. I, the the Israelites. I I'm not gonna help you. And she said, even dogs get crumb off the table, the master's table. And Jesus was like, Whoa, okay. He's not gonna leave you out. Say, consider Jesus. I believe that biblically that When I become a new creation in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away and the new has come. That's good news. What? That's good news. The old has passed away and the new has come. So I don't have to operate in the old. Come on, somebody. I don't have to stay in the old. I can come into the new things of God. So when I gave my life to, to Jesus Christ, I really didn't consider Jesus in my choices. I didn't consider Jesus in my everyday. I didn't consider Jesus that, what's He trying to get to me? What's He done for me? And I began to start looking at the cross, and I began to start looking at Christ, and I began to start looking at everything that took place on the cross. And when He said, it's finished, it's more than just so we could get to heaven. I want to ask you today to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, not just right now, this very moment, but consider Jesus this afternoon. Consider Jesus tonight. Consider Jesus tomorrow. Consider Jesus tomorrow afternoon. Consider Jesus when you're going throughout your day, tomorrow, the next day, whatever it might be, and wherever you're working at, no matter what you're doing, even if you don't have, if you're not in quote, employed and you ladies are are at home or guys are at home or whatever it might be, just consider Jesus where you're at because that's what the world is needing. The world is needing the love that Jesus had for us. So God's doing something within us and I've decided not to read the Bible to teach you anything today. So I'm not going to teach you anything today but can I share some things of what I've learned? Yep. Yep. And, and maybe you can come to the place where you begin to learn some of these things yourself. And one of the things that I've learned is, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. As you turn to Hebrews chapter 3, I, I want to share with you in Hebrews chapter 4 that he talks about taking the Word of God and mixing it with your faith. One of the things that I've really learned is that if we don't take the Word of God and mix it with faith, we won't have the results that Jesus Christ died and shed His blood for us to have. How many of you know that Jesus shed His blood for us to have results? The Bible talks about otherwise taking the blood of Jesus Christ and trampling it under your feet. In other words, walking on it doesn't mean anything to you, so you walk on it. And I don't ever want to be that. So we're going to take this today and mix it with faith. Let's just pray. Father, today as we take your word, that it's you, Jesus, that you are the word, and that you speak to us, that we mix it with faith, whatever little faith that we might have, that it will grow today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. (laughs) Consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. And he was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in his house. And he goes in and he talks about law. Moses, when they they talk about Moses, they're talking about the law, say the law. We don't operate in the law, we're to operate in grace. And what I found out is I was operating in the law, but I was adding grace to it. Jesus, consider Jesus on the law. Is Jesus the law, or did He come to fulfill the law? Hmm, hmm. So Jesus is not about the law. He's about fulfilling the law, and He's about you operating in freedom. The Bible says that Jesus came so that I could have life and have it more. Does God want us to enjoy life? Come on, does God want us to enjoy life? He wants us to have life and to have it more abundantly. I want to be able to have life. And I've considered my life, and I've considered my life without Jesus. And I don't like what I see. But I've considered my life, and I consider it with Jesus. Turn with me over to Hebrews 12. Verse three, Hebrews twelve three. Wow, let's let's do twelve one two and three. Sean, if you would put that at twelve one two and three, Hebrews chapter twelve, page eighteen eighty four. Hebrews chapter twelve. I want to look at verses one two and and three. We're considering Jesus this morning considering Him in our lives. I don't believe that I want to sin. I don't believe I want to. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. I don't believe when somebody comes to Christ that they really want to go sin. But there is an enemy that tries to influence you in decisions that you make. So if I begin to start considering Jesus on the decisions that I make, I think I'll be able to step out of some areas that I wasn't able to step out of before. Come on. Verse 1 says, Therefore let us, let us also, seeing that we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, and lay aside every weight, remember we did that last week, and sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race, race that's set before us. Verse 2 Looking unto Jesus, considering can I say that today? Considering Jesus? Looking unto Jesus or considering Jesus the author and, and, and the perfecter of our what? Faith who for joy was set before him and endured the cross despising shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's look at verse three. For consider him, there it is again. Had that he endured such a gainsaying of sinners against himself that he waxed not weary, fainting in your souls. In other words, when you, when you consider all those things, they made fun of him, they ridiculed him, and how many of you know it was not. The Gentiles of the day. It was the Pharisees of the day. Because Jesus was changing something. He was bringing something in. There were things beginning to shift. The old covenant was beginning to fade away. And the new covenant was coming. And it was coming through the cross. So he says, Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you won't go grow weary and lose heart. Aren't people growing weary and losing heart? How many people do you think you could talk to that don't want to go to church any longer? How many people do you think that you could talk to and that would say, you know, I just... it uh, just isn't really making a difference in my life. How many of you know... We went to the passage and, and we watched to see how the Bible made the difference in people's lives. It was, it's, they called it the book of books. The book of books. It's been on the national bestseller list for years running straight. And why doesn't the New York Times publish that? It's outsold more books than any book on the face of this planet. We consider him Jesus. What he went through. And I began to start considering how valuable the word was to people. And when we went through this passage, maybe we just need to get some people and go down there on a Saturday morning or a Friday night or I don't know how wide they're open or something like that. Cost about 20 bucks to get in, 1995 to be exact, but it was well worth it. And it was, to me, it renewed something in me. And I was like, he wasn't allowed to print; they weren't allowed to print the Bible. And Wycliffe died, saying, "Open the eyes of the king." And some of you may know, or Tyndale, I'm sorry. He opened the eyes of the king, and some of you may know the speech and what happened And while well, he was killed and he was martyred for the faith because he printed that Bible. And now look at how it is. I mean, it's exploding. Do you guys know how much it's exploding? I mean, I began to look at the, at the different types, and then they began to start changing it in different languages. And they had even had a pocket Bible that was about that thick. I was thinking, man, that dude got a big old pocket. It was about that big. It was about the size of a pocket Bible, but it was like that thick. And I was thinking, that was a pocket Bible. They had pocket pocket Bibles around a long time. People would die to get to the Word of God, and now things are expanding. How many of you know that we can look at things two different ways? You can look and say things are de- decreasing and getting worse, and that's not me. Or you can look at it and say things are expanding and the kingdom of god is advancing and when we looked it was undeniably the truth of how the bible had come together and how it was being put together and being published that this thing is exploding and then you can go on the internet now from anywhere you're at even driving down the street and you can access scriptures and you can <laughs> there is more there is more i don't know there was like there's like 72 different bible translations hello And they looked at back then when they were trying to translate the Bible and they were talking about the King James Version. The King James Version is not the original version of the Bible. just want you to know that. had somebody years ago leave the church here because I didn't preach out the King James. And the King James, they were told was the original version of the Bible. And I said, I think you need to do some research on that because that's not true. And they no longer are here. And as far as I know, they may not even go to church anywhere. But I say that to say this. Consider Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament, they were pointing to Jesus. They were pointing to Jesus. Everything that the Israelites went through, the prophetic words that came forth, if you would begin to look and read the Old Testament, everything that they were doing was pointing to Jesus. There's another one coming. You know why? It made us need a Savior. In the Old Testament, I needed a Savior because I couldn't live up to the law. Hello? Hello? Laws are to point out why we need laws that points us out that we're a sinner. Without the law, I wouldn't tell you that I broke the law. Hello, if we didn't have a traffic light in Woodward, and it was not, it was uh, illegal to run it. It would be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? But you wouldn't know that you broke the law. Somebody said one time, said, "Well, you know, how come Abraham had his wife, and the king wanted to take Abraham's wife?" And, and and Abraham said, it's my sister. That was wrong. Was it wrong to Abraham? They didn't have the law then. So without the law, we wouldn't know what's right or wrong. Come on, somebody. But Jesus came in to fulfill the law so that we can operate in the grace of God. Say the grace of God. So the grace of God. If I'm going to be led and I consider Jesus and all of my actions and everything that they do, I really don't need the Ten Commandments. Hello? Because I'll fulfill all ten. Come on, somebody. Did you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to know whether it's a law to stop at a stop sign. You just do it. We Sometimes. <laughs> So when we consider Jesus and certain things in our lives, we have to consider what He died for. And I'm telling you, He didn't die for a broke, busted, and disgusted church. He died for a church without a blemish, without a wrinkle, without a spot. And we are that. Can I get an amen? He died for us to bid for the, so that we could be righteous. And I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is expanding. So I, this morning, I began to start looking up something. And I want to read this to you. This is by Harold Eberly. Things are exploding. Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world. Let me say that again. You can quote me on it. You can take me to the bank on it. You can tell the people about Islam or whatever. that Christi- Islam was back then too. Islam was suppressing the word of God. They wouldn't allow it to be printed and distributed, and they're still doing that today. But how many of you know, if they got a computer, they're going to get on the Internet, they're going to get into the Word. Come on, somebody. Listen to this. If indeed we focus on what the television news brings into the living rooms of our homes each day, things can look pretty dismal. You agree? There are terrible events going on in the world, and evil is very evident. However, let's lift ourselves higher and take a broader look over history. Let's consider how the kingdom of God has grown since Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. His throne, 2,000 years ago. Let's compare our world today with that of the world of the past. Can we do that? Listen to this. Start by taking a snapshot of what life was like in the United States 200 years ago. In the early 1800s, there were about 5 million immigrants in the United States, but 20% of them were slaves. The age of sexual consent in many states was 9 or 10 years old. Abortion was legal throughout most of the 19th century. And records tell us that more than one-fifth of all pregnancies, one-fifth, were aborted with Michigan having the highest rate at 34%. 34%! Alcoholism was much higher than it is today. Prostitution was also higher, with New York City having approximately one prostitute for every 64 men. The mayor of Savannah estimated that his city had one for every 39 men. The percentage of Americans going to church was equal to that what it is today, about 30 to 45%. Thousands of people were moving west, and most of them had no churches to attend until years after they had settled and and the communities had begun to develop. Native Americans were being forced off their lands and in some cases murdered. Tens of thousands of Chinese, Chinese people were brought into the west coast of the United States to serve as forced laborers. It's 200 years ago. 200 years ago just doesn't seem that long ago, does it? When gold was discovered in various regions of the West, gold rushes occurred, which produced some of the most vile and dangerous communities in the world. Many people in the West carried guns. Right? I mean, we like the movies, don't we? That wasn't that long ago. He said they carried guns for protection because murder was commonplace. Throughout the United States, women could not vote. And men could legally beat their wives as long as they did not or maim or kill them 200 years ago. Things in the United States were not better morally or ethically or spiritual. spiritually. Of course, there were some godly individuals laying the foundations of the United States government, but the moral and ethical climate of America was much worse than it is today. The good old boys were not so good. Let's go back further in time and take a snapshot of the whole world around the time of Jesus, when he came as a baby. The Roman Empire dominated civilizations centered around Europe, the Middle East, and Northern Africa. In Italy, approximately 40% of the population consisted of slaves. Throughout the empire, homosexuality was commonplace, especially between a master and a slave. Most of the Roman and the Greek people worshipped many gods, such as Jupiter, Juno, and Neptune. Outside the Roman Empire, the people in Africa and Asia and Australia, they worshipped nature, demons, and their own dead ancestors. In North America, people had no revelation of the Messiah. In South America, min- min- millions worshipped the bloodthirsty God, and they offered human sacrifices, offering, offer, often numbering them in the thousands in one ceremony. When Jesus came to earth, there was only one tiny nation located in the Middle East, and it had revelation of a one true God. And even its citizens were living in a great time of doubt. All the rest of the world was lost. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, 11 and 12, formerly you were Gentiles, and you were at that time separated from Christ, having no hope without God in the world. This was the condition of the world 2,000 years ago. As Ernest Hamden Cook wrote in his book, The Christ Has Come, the fact is, is that as bad as the world still is, yet morally, it's vastly better than when it was when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. The world's better. It's a better place. Few of the people in those days had, had adequate conception of the misery and the degradation which were to be a common lot for almost every human being in all mankind, owing to the monstrous wickedness of the times, to continue war and cru- cruelties of political despotism, and in everywhere prevailing slavery. Now think how blessed the world is today. The gospel is being preached in every corner of the earth. Christianity is exploding in growth across the world with more than 200,000 people becoming born-again Christians every day. Hallelujah. In China, there's more than 20,000 per day becoming Christians. And in South America, there are 35,000 per day. All total, there are more than a million people a week becoming Christians. Hallelujah. This is fact. The tiny seed that came into the earth as a little nation of Israel has grown to permeate the earth. With more than 2 billion people claiming to be Christians today, Christianity is the largest, most influential block of humanity in the world. Hallelujah. All things are getting better? Yes, they are. And of course, there are many tragic things still happening. And we've got a long way to go before we can say that everything is wonderful. But things are much better in the world today than they were when Jesus came into the world 2,000 years ago. This optimistic view can be difficult to accept for Christians who have been submerged in a pessimistic worldview. The world's getting better, worse. It's getting badder, badder, badder. Is that a word? It's getting worse, it's getting worse. Oh, man, it's just going to get worse just the way it is. It's going to get worse. No, I'm telling you, that's not the way it is. That's a pessimistic view. It's getting better. Tell your neighbor, say, consider Jesus. Our time's a lot better now. Anybody like air conditioning? Hallelujah. Anybody like to drive a car instead of having to walk to work? Hallelujah. I mean, I could go on and on and tell you about how things are better than they were then. There are many Christians preaching, excuse me. Indeed, there are many Christian preachers who regularly rally the troops and motivate people to action, emphasizing the dire conditions around the world. Of course, Christians must stay vigilant, and we have a lot of work to do but we must not lose sight that the fact is that we are gaining ground. Jesus is Lord, and the kingdom of God is advancing. Hallelujah. And we look around and we say, well, maybe it isn't in the Western Hemisphere, but I'm hearing of pockets of revival. I'm hearing that people are beginning to now turn and look. There are more people beginning to even hit our website, but other websites of Christian organizations, because they're tired of the mundane. They're tired of the thing, of the way it is. They're tired of having no hope. They're looking for the hope. You are the hope in the world, and God wants to even uh, have you bring you understanding and wisdom today and mix it with faith so that there will be an explosion for you for the world today. Can I get an amen? So I began to start thinking about some things recently this year. Recently this year, Skylar Claypool, he went to Peru, and some of you helped sponsor. We helped sponsor him. Tom and Linda, they, they went to New Mexico on a missions trip. So we've gone to Peru. We've gone to New Mexico. It was Pinedale that they went to. Kevin went to South Dakota. We sent him to South Dakota with, uh, with the Oklahoma Apostolic Prayer Network and Mission Native America. Then he, and then he ended up going to Mexico too. Say the kingdom is advancing. Kayla's not here today, but she just got back from China and Hong Kong. Well, I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is advancing. Bobby is—he just landed this morning in in Dallas, and he's just coming back from Brazil. Hallelujah. the kingdom of God is advancing. Can I get an amen? And I'm going to ask Danny to come on up. Danny, if you'll come on up, I want—I want, I want to—I want to tell you that Danny is getting ready to go for. Well, she'll tell you, a long time for Argentina. But I want, to, I want you to have you give the, Lord for, give the Lord some praise for Danny and for even these other missionaries that have been sent out, even if they've been for a week or two. But you've come to a place where you're going to be here more than a week. I mean, you're going to be there more than a week. So I want you to just take a few minutes here this morning, and I want you to share about Argentina. And I asked Danny to, to share in her heart what's taken place. Here's what I know, is that this young lady right here, Christian and Jackie are parents and and she's been brought up in the things of God. And there were times she as a kid she probably didn't want to go to church and mom and dad say you were going to church. And she's got a relationship with Christ, a very intimate relationship with him, and and, and she's, she graduated from Oklahoma State. Woohoo yes. Oklahoma State University this past year. But God how many of you know there is what we call the seven mountains? There's areas in which society can be changed and transformed. And one of the mountain is is the political realm or government. And Danny, I believe, has a call for that. Her goal is to is to come back after this mission trip's gonna be gone for ten months. She wants to come back and she wants to go to law school. And we've talked about, Amen, that's that's really great because we need we need Christian lawyers, don't we, amen? People that'll that'll hear the spirit of God and that will that will that will live by the things and the morals of God. But not only that, I, I uh I, I wanna tell you that I believe that there's a goal for her to to become a judge. And in Oklahoma, our legislative branch there's three parts to the legislative branch. I said there's well there's a legislative branch. There's three parts to government. There's a legislative branch. In other words, the the uh, senators and and house. And there's been a change in 2004. Things began to shift, and godly people were beginning to be elected there are godly people ruling and reigning in Oklahoma now and I want to give the Lord some praise for that hallelujah and that I believe it's, part, it's to the prayer and it's to our prayer it's our fasting it's the things that, and God is moving and people are stepping into that arena the second thing is the uh, executive branch how many of you know that is uh, that's the governor and those seats there the lieutenant governor and, and the attorney general and those, and those people are right now are being held by believers let's give the Lord some praise for that but I was at a prayer meeting a, 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 a few weeks ago in Oklahoma City, and it was brought up that where is the judicial system at? And and we need people like this, that God is going to anoint and appoint, and then have a heart after Him, that will come in and bring transformation in the judicial system. Amen. So you know, as she shares today, I just I want you to know that the kingdom of God is advancing, and we want to be part of this. So share with us what you're going to
1: do. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Um uh he already said a lot about it <laughs> not a lot but a little bit. Um I'm going to Argentina um in 2 weeks now so it's coming up I'm leaving the 27th. Um and I'm going to be there for a duration of 10 months so I'll be back next June. Um and I'm going with a missions organization called Operation Mobilization. Um I have a video that I'll show you later telling you a little more about them. Um my main uh, ministry focus on there will be working in orphanages, so um, I'm excited about that. I love kids, um, but they also do a lot of evangelism work, that's OM's main, main goal, um, because it's predominantly Catholic, um, well that's that, Kevin's not in here, but um, he could tell you that just, just because someone is Catholic doesn't mean that they have a relationship with Jesus. Um, And in most cases, in places like Mexico and Argentina, it's the opposite. They don't. Um, It's very religious and not um, relational. So, anyways, um, hopefully a lot of that will take place on there also. Um, I have a map to show you just of South America. And um, I'll be in Buenos Aires, which is the capital of Argentina. There it is. <laughs> yeah, um, if you can see it, it's da- down toward the bottom on the east part. Yeah, east coast. So it's winter there right now, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's going to be like 40 degrees. <laughs> I hate I hate being hot, so I'm <laughs> very excited <laughs> about the winter. <laughs> um, this next slide is just, um, just a picture. I went to Egypt um, in 2008. And I'm just gonna share with you guys a little bit about that because this this trip has a lot to do with why I'm standing here in front of you and why I'm um, why I have decided, but why why God has chosen to send me is is what I'm saying because <laughs> I would have never in my own mind said, yeah, I'll go for a year, you know, away from all my family and friends and everything I've known. So um, this trip. I already shared with you guys when I came back from this trip, but it was years ago, so I don't know if you'll remember or not. Um, but it was life-changing, life, life changing <laughs> um, to say the least. I'm just going to share with you guys just one brief story um, about my trip there and the impact that it had on me. Um, we, I was there for a month and we spent three weeks in Cairo, which is the capital, and then two weeks in Alexandria, no, opposite, yeah two weeks in Alexandria, and then three weeks in Cairo. Um, And we did a lot of just, like, encouraging the local churches. uh, It's 10% um, Christian there, and so they're very um, outnumbered, and they're very shunned from society for being Christians and for um, believing in in Jesus. And so that was our main focus. But uh, we went to this church um, while we were in Cairo, and it was a Sudanese refugee church. And I don't know how much you all know about um the refugees in Sudan and what's going on over there, but it's mass genocide, and they've all had to leave um because it's not safe for families there um, so we went to this church, me and my team there was twenty of us, and they're all about my age um, sorry, I get like I get emotional when I talk about it um. Um, we went to this church, and, <laughs> oh, and, um, a side story is that we'd already spoken to a lot of these people and went into their homes and, um, heard their stories about what had happened to them, and, um, a lot of their husbands had been killed, um, kids had no fathers, or, you know, they were just orphans, and, anyways, we went to this church to worship with them, and... I've never seen, um, I've never seen such joy in people, like real, real joy. Like these people were just, and I could, s- I could share another story about a lady that lived. We went to Trash City, this place, and these people actually lived in a trash dump that was their home. And she just sat up and was thanking God, praising Him for all the, everything that He had blessed her with, living in a trash dump. And these people, these refugees, it was the same situation. They had been forced away from their homes and treated like they don't belong in Egypt because they don't, I mean, they are they didn't belong there, but they weren't treated. We went to their houses, and they were just, I can't describe, I can't describe how they were. Um, but all these people that I came into contact with just had this in common, and it was like they lived in trash, and they were thanking God with all they had and just smiles on their faces that I've never like, I've never encountered before, and I just sat there and was like, I can't, I don't know, I was just mad, I was mad at myself, I was like, how how do I not feel that way, like, how am I not on my knees every day, you know, like, and we say those poor people, like, those poor people that live in trash, these poor refugees, No, like, it's poor me, like, poor me that I don't have what they have. And that we don't have what they have. And I, I'm not speaking for you all, but I know that that joy is, was not in me. <laughs> but once I saw that, and it's it's for any situation. It's not just that those people didn't have cars and they didn't have nice houses. It's like any situation, you're going through a hard time, but joy is not. That's not joy. Joy, <laughs> joy is within you, and it's God. And so I don't know what, what the issue is with us here <laughs> or with me. I'll just speak for me. But I just encourage you guys to just find that because it's inexplainable um, when you're around it and you just can't help but want what they have. And so, anyways, I say all that (laughs) to um, say that that trip um, completely changed my life. um, So I came back from that um, right before my sophomore year in college. And... um, I knew that that would no, that wouldn't be like the last time that I went somewhere <laughs> I didn't know where I was going to go I wanted to go back there um, and so I just finished out my two years my last two years in college, and it was probably the summer in between my junior and senior year I just started I just started to have this feeling of like like going back and i I heard God saying like long like a year like a year I just and I was like that's not God, like, that's crazy, a year, like, that is so long to be away, and I was like, that's just, that I, mean I just ignored it, and I just pushed it off, and kept going on with my life, and then, just, it kept coming up, it kept rising up, and I was like, okay, God, like, this, this is obviously you, like, it's not leaving, <laughs> so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it, and so, um, I told my parents about it last summer, I think, um, so it's been in the in the works for a long time, and like I said, I wanted to go back to Egypt, um, but doors have closed and opened and closed, and so now <laughs> the door that's open is to Argentina, and so that's where I'm thinking that God wants me, so it's where I'm gonna go. Um, this next slide I have is just a video of, it's like a promotional video of Owen, just to show you guys a little bit about them.
2: For over 50 years, OM has mobilized thousands of Christians to transform lives and communities around the world. Reflecting the world's diversity, OM has 5,500 workers from 100 nationalities who work in over 110 countries and on two ships. Over half of the world's population lives on the coast. OM ships have reached millions with knowledge, help, and hope through distributing educational and Christian literature, bringing aid, mobilizing local believers into mission, and sharing the gospel of hope. Many ports the ship visit are unreached with the gospel. Through the international crew sharing their lives in hospitals, prisons, schools, and in conferences on board the ship, many people are being saved. Sometimes these new Christians will come back to serve on the ship themselves. Historically, the dark continent has been Africa. Many people don't realize that, in fact, today Europe is the dark continent. It has the least number of evangelicals in the entire world. Many of today's young Europeans have never heard the gospel. So, young people don't know very many christian values and christian basic knowledge that's why the gospel is really something new and relevant to them because they grow up in a secular environment in schools for example there is no religion in schools allowed at home we never talk about christianity so they're not exposed to anything that has to do with jesus we see fruit and we do see people opening up for the gospel and we really taking a great interest in it, what God has to offer. Because of OM's global presence, we are able to respond quickly to disasters, working with other agencies to deliver aid. We do this to break the cycle of poverty. OM partnered with local churches to bring aid to rebuild the hurricane-hit area. Our medical clinics brought immediate care that opened doors to long-term work in devastated areas. Our local team delivered food and shelter when international aid wasn't allowed in. After delivering immediate relief, we now have schools for children in remote areas and we teach women job skills.
3: I lost my mother at the age of two. I was married off at the age of 15. But because I was unable to have children, my husband divorced me. I then married my ex-husband cousin, who treated me like a slave. My life was so bad that all I thought about was committing suicide. Then I met an OM missionary who explained to me that I was so precious to God, that he loved me. I could not really believe what I was hearing. But because I was so desperate, I got down on my knees and asked Jesus into my life. My life changed. I was so filled with such joy and happiness. I spoke out for the first time in my life. Jesus is my savior.
2: As Oam is one of the largest organizations working in the Muslim world, numerous lives are changed. To protect them, many stories remain. Many of India's 1 billion people live as slaves to poverty and society's rules that don't allow them to move up in life. One in four Indians are Dalits, which means literally untouchable. From my childhood, I was brought up in a Dalit environment. And I was told from my own parents that uh, we Dalits are less than human beings. We are created less than animals. The word slavery, in my opinion, describes very lightly what the Dalits are going through in our
3: nation today.
2: OM is breaking this cycle of poverty and injustice by educating untouchable children and women. This gives them a voice in society and skills to move out of extreme poverty. The biggest difference is made through the hundreds of churches OM has helped to start. Thousands of Indians are rejecting their idols and finding true freedom and meaning in Jesus. These five areas are just a glimpse into OM's global ministry. God is moving today in wonderful ways. As the prophet Habakkuk writes, look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. God is doing something historic in our time. You can be a part of it as you pray, go, and give.
1: Um, so, yes, that's who I'm going with. Um, I'm pretty excited. I'm actually flying there alone, um, and it's it's a pretty international organization. So, the two girls I'm staying with, um, two of them are from England and one's from Germany. And so, <laughs> that'll be interesting, all of us trying to learn Spanish. Uh <laughs> but it'll be fun. Um, and these are just a few of the pictures that my team leader sent. Um, these are kids from the orphanage. Um, and this verse uh is just something that has really um ministered to my heart uh lately um I've read it, but I've never really thoroughly really gotten it until recently um for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we could walk in them um this to me just just reiterates that that what I'm doing is is not of myself. And it's something that God has called me to. Um and He called me to it before I was born. And um it's exciting and I'm very humbled that God has chosen <laughs> to use me in this way. Um and I just encourage it encourage you all to be ministered by it too. Um because you don't have to go, you know, to Argentina to <laughs> um fulfill the things that God's put before you. And so I just want to thank all of you so much for um, letting me speak. And you guys are my family, and I'm going to miss you uh, a lot while I'm gone. But I just thank you so much for your prayers and your support. So thank you.
0: Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm going to ask Chris and Jackie just to to come on up and Shelly, if you will, Um, Virginia. Reagan, come on up, please, sir. Um, we just want to pray over you. Next week we've got um, uh, the power team in and that, but we wanted to be able to have a time where we could just pray over you. And I know as parents it's a a step of faith and it brings you into a different...